We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. Man, I'm so excited to be with you in this new series. Um, So for the last two weeks, we talked about how we can connect with Jesus when we are not okay. (laughs) We had talked about how many of us are not okay coming out of uh, 2020, and we're like 2021, and we're still on the struggle bus. And we learned that we, when we're not okay, that we can lean into godly friends. We saw that's what Jesus did. We also learned that when we're not okay, we can pray. And that God will give us the strength to overcome any obstacle. We learned that in week two, we learned that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to us and gives us peace. And it's a peace that is beyond our understanding. Anything that we could ask or think, like God gives us that peace and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm so excited because this week um, we're going to be talking about the Bible. It's so cute. This week I was sitting, um, just working randomly in my office at home, and my three-year-old daughter was sitting uh, on a little, um, like, a, like we have a window seat, and she was sitting there circling her Christmas list. It was pretty cute. Um, and she started singing a song, um, and I forgot about the song because I, I used to sing it to my kids, but she sang the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And then she goes, Bible. And I thought, that's so crazy. That's what I'm talking about Sunday. And this sweet little girl sang uh, my sermon for me. <laughs> it was so sweet. Um, you know, if, if you are listening or if you, you missed last week's message or the week before that, I encourage you to please go to hopedelmarva.com forward slash messages and get caught up. They were so life-giving and they were so good. And um, I'm not just bragging on myself. I really needed them just as much as everybody else. And so uh, go back and give those a listen. You can also listen on major podcast um, platforms as well. So today we're going to start a brand new series um, and we're going to tap into the power of truth. The power of truth. Truth has the power to set us free. Truth has the power to set us free. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if, if you hold to my teaching, you will really be my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. We want you to know truth this morning because we want you to have freedom. Um, now, you might be saying to yourself, now listen, Emma, I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not an addict. I'm not in jail. I'm not a slave. I, I, don't, I don't need freedom. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't really need that. I'm good. And the interesting thing about this verse that I just quoted to you is that Jesus is talking to the Jews who had believed in him, and they said the very same thing. They actually said, we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? We've never been slaves to anyone. And Jesus replied to them, and he replies to us here in this room, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And then Jesus gives this powerful picture. He says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but the son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. 
The Son sets you free. We discussed last week how Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are connected and that this connection gives us freedom and new life. We get new life through our connection with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, and with God. We call that the Trinity. Jesus goes on in this conversation in John to say, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. It's interesting. Whoever belongs to God hears what he says. So we see a connection between truth and freedom and hearing God's word. That's a powerful connection. In my life, I've experienced the power of this connection. God's word came to life during a very dark time for me in the summer of 2000. Uh, I read the scriptures in search of peace um, because I needed it. Um, we were very newly married, and it was not going well, um, and I wanted sleep, to sleep at night, and God used his light of his word to shine in my heart, um, and, and I knew that I needed to see him uh, afresh, and when I read his word, he showed me that freedom in my life would not be possible without him. I knew that I had to have him for freedom. I needed to see my sin in light of his sinlessness, he was the man without sin, and I needed to see it, and I needed to confess that I needed Jesus. And I did. And I cried, and I gushed out all that I had done to contribute to my brokenness. Everything that I had done, I confessed it. And in a moment, his spirit began a new work in me. And I was washed, and I was put on a path of freedom that I still walk today. His word is truth that frees. It frees you it frees me. So you might be asking, okay, am I get it? So how can we know that his word is what it really is in a world going crazy, right? How can we know what his word in a world crazy? How can we trust the Bible and what it says? How can we read and hear the Bible um, and, and believe that it, it reveals who God is? Um, does the Bible really contain truth and wisdom? And, and will reading and listening to the Bible really result in my connection and growth? The good news for you is that this series is going to help answer these questions for you. If you continue to have questions, I want to put it out there really quickly that if you ever have questions, I'd be more than honored to walk you through any of your questions regarding theology or doctrine or anything like that. Those are two big words that mean what it is and what it means, okay? Um, and I would be happy to do that. And, and you be, we would welcome you to ask any questions. You can even email us at info at hopedelmarva.com. We would be happy to walk with you. Um, but we believe that this series is going to help us put into practice habits that will result in real change in our lives. I don't know about you guys, but I like funk. Anybody like funk? Come on, let me hear you. Come on, funk. Yes. Do you remember the song, Why Can't We Be Friends? Why can't we be friends? Right, come on. And the vocalist is wondering why he can't connect to a friend from his past, even though they see each other around. And the truth about that song is it's really hard to start a relationship or be in a relationship if you don't build a relationship or learn about or grow close to somebody if you never, ever spend time with them. The truth is, in my marriage, if I never talked to Alfie and I never said hi to him and I never spent time with him, I'm pretty sure our relationship would go downhill pretty quick. Yes? Right. So that's what the guy's singing about. Why can't we be friends? And the, the question God has for you this morning is, why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? And the truth of the matter is that we drift from God 
but he never drifts from us. We might drift from God, but he never, ever drifts from us. In fact, he invites us to meet with him through his word anytime. Anytime. So how do we connect to God through his word? How do we do that? The answer for us this morning is found in reading what Moses recorded in the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy. I know it's a crazy word, right? Deuteronomy, but it means five, basically. Deuteronomy 5, okay? So we're going to jump in in chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. I believe that note takers are world changers, so if you take notes on your phone, I believe in it. If you have your phone out, please don't put it away. I, I really have no problem with you guys using your phone during the experience. I have, really don't. It doesn't, doesn't bother me in the least bit. We are a techie people. We get it. So uh, Deuteronomy 6, 1, we're going to start with this. It says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe. So the first thing I want you to kind of get this morning is what the heck are the commands, decrees, and laws? That's the first question we got to ask when we're reading this, right? What the heck are they talking about? So this section of the Bible actually falls in just after Moses gives principles for godly living to the Israelites um, and, and includes the Ten Commandments. And we talked about that last week. We talked about the Ten Commandments last week, and we covered those in brief. The first thing that I want to establish for you this morning is that the Bible is a record of God's communication of himself and his will to us, to you and to me. We revere the Bible and treat it as holy because it is the word of God and because God reveals himself to us through his word, through his word. Uh, the commands were not, were not man-made. See, Moses said, these are the commandments that you directed me, God, the Lord your God directed me to teach you. They didn't come from Moses because, listen, let's be honest about Moses' life. I'm sure he was not on the backside of the wilderness hanging out with sheep, had his wife and his kids. He had it pretty good. I am pretty sure that he was not pumped up about Jesus saying, yo, Moses, I want you to go into Israel and I want you to go ahead and grab these crazy people, probably like a million of them. Um, I want you to go ahead and get through all 10 plagues. Um, And then I want you to go into the wilderness with all these people who complain all the time. I'm pretty sure that Moses was not like, hot dog, God, let's go. That's what I've been waiting for. So it's not like Moses was looking for this. And it's not like he made it up. I'm pretty sure he was happy where he was. Because I would have been. Because if you um, you have kids, you know what it's like to be walking around with people who complain a lot. Am I, am I right, parents? Can I get an amen, parents? Because that's serious. That's serious. I'm like, why are we complaining? And if there's nothing to complain about, they just fabricate stuff. Same with the Israelites. Same with Moses. It was crazy. Um, and so we can see that, that Moses isn't going to make this up, guys. God told him this mess. God spoke to him through a burning bush. That really, really happened. It was on fire, and he couldn't figure it out, and walked up, and God said, yo. And he said, whoa. Right? And that happened. This verse says, directed me to teach you to observe. Well, the you is you and I. The you is you and I. The Bible was not solely for the Jewish people. The Bible was not solely for uh, Jewish people. It was written for all of mankind. It was written for everybody everywhere. It was written for you and it was written for me. And God is personal and what he says applies personally to us. It's not an out there somewhere concept. It's an in here, right here concept. So I want to talk to you this morning about how we get our English Bible. 
um, in brief, okay? If you want more, if you want to expound, if you want the research and all of my documentation on any of this stuff, I would be happy to give it to you. It's in my notes. I'm happy to share all of my information and more with you, okay? So um, the first chart I want to show you is this one, and this is how we got our English Bible today. So the English Bible today came from the divine author, came down to the human author, and we call that inspiration. And then the human author made the original scripture, okay? So then we move into transmission. So there were copies of the original. And can I tell you that the Jewish were a little bit crazy about that whole portion of copying the original text. There would literally be one scribe, Jewish scribe sitting there, and there would be two behind them. And if he made a mistake, they would take it, throw it away, and he'd have to start all over again. All over again. So there would be a witness of three, so what they transcribed was that accurate. They were serious about it. They were so serious about it. And so then the um, copies of the original goes into a critical text. So what critical text means, guys, is that critical text is, um, has been scrutinized to make sure it jives with all the available copies. We talked about last time, last week I think it was, that there are over 25,000 manuscripts for uh, the New Testament of the Bible, which is pretty crazy because there's only like seven of ones by Caesar, okay? So we're talking about an, an enormous amount of documentation going into this. Then it goes into a translator or translator committee. I'm going to tell you why this is important, okay? So that was transmission. We have the original text into a critical text. Um, a translator or translator committee, um, typically we do not believe that people should translate the Bible from the original Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic by themselves. Because why? Because we all sin. And we don't want that. So you're going to find in most of your Bibles that there has been a translation committee. There's literally a committee of people who have to vote, yes, this is what it means. Yes, this is what it means. I'm telling you this because I want you to have confidence in the text that you have before you, that it is real, it is God's word, and that you can trust it. So then we have the English translation, because remember, it was in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Um, one of my favorite scholars that I'm going to quote later, N.T. Wright, I was listening to him speak, and he had a book open, and he was reading it. Well, it was the New Testament. He was reading to the audience in English, and I realized he was reading from the original Greek and translating it on the spot for his audience. And I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. N.T. Wright, I'm going to come at you. I'm going to learn me some Greek. Um, but so the English translation, and then we have us, our modern readers that get this, and that's translation. And our job as people is to interpret. We have the task of interpreting the scripture. So I want to talk to you real quick too about translations. This is really kind of hard to see because there's so many translations, but I want you to understand the importance of translations. And this, I'm going to get off of this techie stuff in just a minute, but this is important to me because I want you to understand what the Bible says. I had somebody approach me one time and they said, Emma, I just don't believe the Bible because I picked up one version in the pew, but the version, I, I picked one up and it didn't match with another version. I was like, well, did you, what translation were you reading? And they said, translation, what do you mean? And I said, well, there's different translations of the Bible. There's different people who have done different translations. The truth of the matter is they all jive perfectly. There really is not contradictions. If you show me contradictions, I will show you that there's actually not. Okay? Um, so here we go. On the far left, you have a more formal 
And this is a word-for-word. Word. They call it word-for-word word approach. So there's two approaches in translating the Bibles, and that means we're going to reproduce the text um, in one language, that's the source language, and we're going to put it into the receptor language, which is English in our, our case, or Espanol for our friends. And there are two main approaches for the translation of the formal approach. So we've got the literal or word-for-word, word, and you're going to see those on that side of the screen. And then we've got the functional approach, and it's more um, idiomatic or thought-for-thought, thought. okay? So over here you've got, now therefore, O hearken, Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments. If you're like my friend Chiron and you go to um, the Renaissance Festival, this is what you're going to sound like. Because that's the original King James Version of the Bible. And you're going to see that over to the left. And you're going to see over time we've gotten some our revised translations and all of those. And then um, right in the middle we've got the New American Bible. And that's kind of right in between uh, formal and functional. And then all the way to the right we have the message version of the Bible. And that's a paraphrase. That means it's a translation that was done by one man, Eugene Peterson. And that's why we don't preach from it because it's just help. It's in modern vernacular, but it's not as word for word as, say, the NIV or um, those more formal translations. Does that make sense? Awesome. Awesome. If you want a copy of that, if you're listening to the podcast, shoot me an email at info and we'll get you one. So here's what I want you to do, is I want you to choose a translation that's appropriate for you. I empower you to read many. The good news is that the YouVersion Bible app has all the translations under the sun you could ever want, all in your pocket, and it's amazing. Um, so please feel free um, for your own particular purpose and your own particular. For me, when I'm reading and I want to kind of understand it better, and it, it's in my vernacular because, you know, Eugene Peterson was from Baltimore. My people are from Baltimore. We speak the same language. I'll read the Message Bible. But if I really want to dig into it and I really want to understand the word for word, I'm going to go back and I'm going to go NIV or I'll go back into the Greek and Hebrew. And yes, I do go back into the Greek and Hebrew and it's amazing. I can't read it but there's people who have translated it for me that are, do a great job. I'll talk to you about that some other time. All right, so now back to the scripture. We've got Deuteronomy 6.1b. This is the second part of that. Um, it says, in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. I want you to kind of circle or highlight two words in this one little sentence. In the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. I want you to circle land and possess. And I want you to write promise. Promise. You see, the land was a promise made by God to Abraham, the OG Jew, okay? He was the original gangster Jew. He was doing life, and God called him and said, yo, you're going to go into this promised land that I'm going to give you. And he said, okay, cool, we're out. And he took his whole fam, and he went to the, the land, the problem is, is that there was some bumps along the way and they ended up in Egypt. And Moses had to set them free. And here we find them in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. The possession of the land was the fulfillment of the promise. But what we like to kind of, kind of ignore is the fact that in between the promise and the possession was a journey. You see, the Israelites would have to cross the Jordan. They would have to go on a journey. They would have to make an effort. There would have to be a process to get them from the promise to the possession. The promises of the Bible are for you. They're for you and for me. 
and for everybody in the entire earth. But you will also be on a journey. You will also have to walk through some stuff to take possession of the promise. You have to pick up the book. You have to read it. You have to listen to what it says. The reason Moses and Joshua wrote about the promise and the journey and the possession is so that you and I remember the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. His goodness was running after us before we could ever even know who he was. Before I ever even knew who Jesus was, he was running after me. Creepy? No, not at all. Because he's good, remember? The devil will try to tell you that God is not good, that he doesn't have your best, that he's not for you, that he's against you. But I'm telling you that God is good and he has nothing but good for you. And the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. I'm going to get ready to preach. Hold on. Okay. So I remember the faithfulness of God when I encounter his faithfulness to the Israelites. Why these jokers were in the wilderness complaining the entire time. And when I get up in the morning, I'm like, God, my back hurts. I don't feel good. I don't want to go work today. My kids are whiny. I want to hide in the closet. You know what God says? My goodness is for you. I'm for you. Get up, girl. You got this. Come on. I got you. Let's go. His goodness is with us and it's a promise from the scripture. And that's why we need to encounter his word. That's why we need to read it from cover to cover. And it's a promise that we can carry into our everyday lives. You're going to see that more in just a minute. So now we're going to look at the, the so that statements. So that. When the Bible says so that, it's important. Because he's given the reason. When Moses tells us so that, he is telling us why. And every one of us is actually a three-year-old kid who wants to know why. God, why? God, why? Why? Right? We all ask this. And I love it because Moses says, so that, so that, right? So that. He says, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and the commands I will give you and so that you may enjoy a good life. So the first so that is why. Why do we follow the commands and the decrees and the laws of God that he's given us? So that your children and their children after them will fear the Lord as long as you live. It's for you. But y'all, it's also for your kids. If you don't have kids, that's cool. It's for your neighbor's kids. For every kid that encounters you in their lives. For your nieces and nephews. You know a kid. If you don't, I will introduce you to mine. You can take them. No, just kidding. You cannot. So that. That's what we sang about this morning. May his favor be upon you. We're talking about generations. Generations. When we follow God and teach our children to do the same, there is literally a generational effect can I tell you a cool story? Here's a generational effect. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents are amazing Christian people. My grandparents before them were amazing Christian people, but I wasn't sure how far back this lineage went. When I was to be born, my mom and dad weren't sure that I was, they were pretty sure I was going to be a boy, which I'm um, surprised um, I wasn't. And so they were like, well, we're not sure about a name. And so we we'll said, well, we'll call her after her grandmother, Jean, and then we'll call her Emma. We just like the name Emma. 
So that was what they named me. And so um, years and years and years and years later, when my grandmother was cleaning out her home, she said, I want you to have this. And I said, what is it? And it was a necklace. And on the necklace, it said, work done for Jesus. It was a beautiful gold pennant. It was like a cross. And I flipped it over, and it said, missionary work, Emma Jean Wheeler. It's my great, 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 great grandmother. The date on it was 1886. Generations of Christians. Generations of Christians. Whenever I wear that necklace, I'm reminded that I'm preceded by generations of believers before me because the blessings of God and the goodness of God has a generational effect. If you're listening to this and you haven't raised your children in the Lord, that's okay. It's never too late. It's never, ever, ever, ever too late. Moses tells us that we are to tell our children and those around us about him so that we will live in the fear of the Lord. Here's what the fear of the Lord is not. The fear of the Lord is not, oh, the fear of the Lord is an all. Holy macaroni grill, God is amazing. That's what it's like. It's an awe and a respect. Hey, he kind of created everything. I think that deserves a little all reverence and respect. And that results in obedience because God is always after a partnership. You see, he's not going to say, you have to, you have to, you have to. He just lays it out there and says, listen, if you want to live a good life and you want generations after you, here's what you should do. But it takes your partnership and your obedience to step into it. I'm not teaching works. I'm teaching obedience. And that's different. He says, I will tell you what to do. All you have to do is to do what I say, baby, and you will get home. You see, the goodness of God is running after you, and he wants you to come home. If you hire a parent, and you had a child that's not lived right or has been crazy like I was, the only thing you ever want is for your child to come home. Just come home. Come home to me. I want to, let me fix you a plate. Right? My mama will feed me. Yes. Come home and let me fix you a plate. That's what God has for you. Come home. The Israelites, he has, I promise for you. I have a land for you. It's going to be a possession for you so that I can dwell with you. That's what he wanted for the Israelites. That's what he wants for us is to dwell with us in relationship. It's all about partnership. It always has been. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. So the question is, so why we should we keep a healthy respect and awe for God and do what he says? Here's the next, so that, so that you may enjoy long life. How many of you want to enjoy a long life? Me. I would like to. That would be nice. I would like to see my grandchildren. I would like to see my great-grandchildren. I would like to live a nice long life. And God says that that's a good thing, and he wants your good. He wants that for you. So then we move into verse 3. This is called the Shema. This is a core value of the Jewish, Jewish faith, the Judaism. The Judaism. Let's go, Emma. Um, here, Israel. Sorry, that's not the Shema. Shema's in four, but this is the next one. Hear Israel and be careful to obey 
so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, what promised you, promised you. God promises to provide for the long life. Do you understand that? He promised them milk and honey. He wasn't just saying you're going to have a good life, but he's saying, and also I'm going to make sure that you have provision for that good life, that good long life. He's like, I didn't sell you short. I'm not telling you all this just to take it away from you. I'm telling you I have a plan and my desire is good for you. Then we go into this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is the foundation of Judaism. And you know what the, the Shema means here? That's what the, the Judaism is founded on, is hearing. And that's what the Christian faith is, hearing. Hearing. First declares um, God that um, the Lord is one. Now this statement is actually an affirmation from Moses for us um, that he said in Deuteronomy 4.35, the Lord our God is God. There is no other beside him. No other beside him. That's the first of the Ten Commandments. Because pretty much if you get that straight, the rest of the commandments are going to fall in line. Right? And this leads to this verse right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Verse 6. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you go along the road, when you lay down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. First, he tells you your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Jesus affirmed this in the New Testament. He said, what are the two greatest commandments? To love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. But to love the Lord with all your heart, well, the heart is your intellect. It's the equivalent to the mind or the rational part of us. So we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with everything we can muster in our brains. We are to love the Lord our God. That's why reading and studying his word is showing God, hey, I love you. I want to know what your word says. I want to put it in my heart. The soul is your essential self. Your soul is the essential self. It's your inner being. It's the invisible part of you um, that includes your will and your emotions. Yes, you are actually to love the Lord your God with your will and your emotional self. And that is a challenge, but it's doable. Now, when you love the Lord God with all your strength, that's the physical side of yourself, and that's your behavior and your disciplines and your action. That's a hard part because we don't always like our behaviors to change. We don't always like discipline. God knows I don't. Not my favorite thing. And uh, it means we have to take action. So when we love the God completely like that, when we love God completely with our whole self, with our, with our heart and mind and our soul and our strength, um, then we can begin to build this life that God has for us. And this all speaks to the fact that God commands um, are, are given and they're to always be on our heart. They're always to be central in our lives. We are to live our lives holistically for God. Holistically means two things. 
when we teach God's precepts to our kids, we teach him our, his, his, his words and his fellowship, we teach them to memorize the scripture, when we teach them to sing the B-I-B-L-E song, when we teach them these things, we, we, we speak them in our homes, verse 7 says, and we write them on the doorposts of our hearts, or write them on our doorposts in our homes, we are loving God in our private lives. You should be loving the Lord in your private life. You should be loving Jesus in your private life. When we are commanded to love God, when we walk by the way and write them on our gates, this implies that we should be loving God in our public lives. That means what you do behind your doors, guys, should match what you do in public. It means your whole self. It means your whole self, that we should love God with our public lives or our whole lives. So as we spend time in God's word, we begin to build a habit where he transforms us from the inside out. The good news is all you have to do is read or listen. That's pretty easy, right? Hear, O Israel. Hear. Hear. Listen to the word of God. We are made new by developing our personal relationship with God. And we begin to do that when we begin to encounter his word. So we develop our relationship by hearing him out. Hear me out, he says. Hear me out. I love you and I have good for you. If you never listen to your friend and only talk, what kind of relationship will you have? Pretty lopsided one, right? And you're not going to have that friend for very long. God has revealed who he is and his will and promises toward us through his word. Listen to what Paul wrote to his disciple Timothy. He wrote, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that, there's another one, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's the first thing. God has given us a word for a purpose and we read it for a purpose. N.T. Wright in his book, Simply Christian, said this amazing statement. The Bible isn't there simply to be an accurate reference point for people who want to look things up and be sure they've got them right. It is there to equip God's people to carry forward his purposes of new covenant and new creation. It is there to enable people to work for justice, to sustain their spirituality as they do so, to create and enhance relationships at every level, and to produce that new creation which will have about it something of the beauty of God himself. The Bible isn't like an accurate description of how a car is made. It's more like the mechanic who helps you fix it, the garage attendant who refuels it, and the guide who tells you how to get where you're going. And where you're going is to make God's new creation happen in this world, not simply to follow your own way unscathed through the old creation. That's good. That is so good. We don't read the Bible just to become great at spouting biblical knowledge. It's not for that. And if you're using it that way, shame on you. Shame on you. We read the Bible to connect with God and grow in relationship and purpose according to his plan. We do not use it as a weapon to beat others to do what we want them to do. Amen? I'm going to say it louder for the people in the back. You know what I'm saying? I love this part. God breathed scripture. What do you think the word is there, guys? The word is theonoustos. So theo is God. 
And then we've got new, right? We learned about that word. It's the same root word for when the Spirit left Jesus Christ and filled his disciples. It's the breath of God. The word is the breath of of God. It carries the breath of God with it. Paul knows that it's good for teaching. We learn things about the world, about God, who created it, and about ourselves. It's, it's useful rebuking. Guys, we can see what is wrong in us and in the world. It's useful for correcting that we can learn how to correct what's wrong in us. And it's useful for training in righteousness so that we can learn how to be more and more righteous. It's useful so that the servant of God, the servant of God, you are a servant of God when you say yes to Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus in just a few minutes. I'm also going to give you an opportunity to recommit your life to the Lord. I'm just giving you a heads up now, but we are all servants when we say yes. We're no longer slaves. That's so good. We are no longer slaves. We are freed by the Son, and we get to join Him in service for the world around us. The Bible is a tool to get you right so that you can lead others home to the Father. He says, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We believe that God not only gave us his word for a purpose, but we're to read it with purpose so that we can fulfill our purpose. We are to do good works. One way we help you discover what the good works that God has for you is called Growth Track. And we will be having Growth Track just next week. I would encourage you to sign up for it. In Growth Track, in just two short hours, we're going to cover um, four different tracks. It's called Growth Track Express. But we're going to help you unpack how God has uniquely gifted you. You'll get an email if you sign up today by Wednesday giving you further instructions because we're going to have you fill out some things before uh, Wednesday, and we want to get a book in your hand. Um, and then we're going to come together, and for two hours, we're going to help you discover why you were gifted that way. We're going to help you understand who we are as a church. And then we're going to give you the opportunity to partner with us and make a difference by joining a team right here on Sundays and serving. As simple as that. Lunch and child care are provided for you, but it's a way to help you discover what your good work is and then equip you to do it. Because that's what we're about here at Hope Church. If we want to know God and grow closer to him, we're going to have to have to meet him through consistent time in his word. Sometimes the most practical way to connect with God can prove to be the most challenging. Can I get an amen? I have kids and it can be crazy in the morning. Listen, one study found that it took from 18 to 254 days, depending on the person, to create a new habit. We want to put a tool in your hand called the Dwell app. The Dwell app makes it possible for you to consistently hear God's word every single day. You can take out your phone and snap this QR code right now, and you will get this app for free. Our church is providing it for you. If you need it, go on social media and grab it. Um, this will take you right to our page. You'll fill out a quick form and sign up for the app. 
Um, and this is so cool because with there's several different plans to read through the Bible in a year available on this. My favorite part of this app is that you can actually change the voice that's reading to you. Um, and you can even get it in Spanish and Portuguese. Um, but you could also have somebody with a British accent or with an Australian accent or with an English accent. And they can read different, different versions of the Bible to you from the message to the CSB to the NIV to the NLT. That's like a rap right there. Uh, 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 uh. No? Okay. I'll, I'll work on it, guys, okay? But you can look in that, and there are topical plans that you can choose from as well. You can also listen to, like, uh, let's see, I was really struggling the other day, and I was like, I just need to know that God's faithful. And don't you know the Dwell app had a playlist that said, faithfulness of God. And so it began to read to me all the scriptures about God's faithfulness. Can I tell you how reassuring that is to hear the scriptures read over me? You guys can get this. Um, this uh, QR code will take you right to uh, a reading plan that goes right along with this sermon series. That means that you will be able to listen to um, daily scriptures that go right along with what I'm teaching you on Sundays. It's amazing. Please, please, please either snap the QR code and um, get connected to the reading plan, or you can just search in the app once you get it downloaded, Abiding in God's Word, Abiding in God's Word. And it'll take you to a little icon that looks just like this one on the screen. It's pink and has the lady and the guy and the dwell logo, okay? Please make sure you do that with us as a church. Listen to it. It's amazing. Download the app. It's our gift to you. Listen, I warned you earlier that this was coming because I believe it's so powerful and it's so good to say yes. Jesus set me free. He set me free from so much. And he continues to free me from old ways. And he wants to partner with you. Wherever you are, he wants to give and receive and be in a relationship. So if you listen now, you're going to hear him tell you that he loves you and he wants to take away your chains of slavery, the sin that has bound you forever, and give you freedom today. If you would like to open up your life to Jesus this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I would love for you to pray along with me. You can pray inside your heart. You don't have to pray out loud at all. And he's going to take away those chains, and he's going to open your heart, and you're going to receive freedom and joy would you pray with me? Father, I, that's me. I need you, Jesus. I want to accept you into my heart for the first time. I want you to make me brand new. Father, would you wash me and make me clean like Emma talked about? Would you set me free from uh, the chains that bind me? Can I feel your freedom and your joy today? Please help me, Lord. Connect with me, God. As I reach out to you, Father, I just uh, thank you for these people who have prayed this prayer. Thank you for their, their, their willingness to connect with you. If you said yes to Jesus, can I just ask you, if you want to snap this QR code or text that's me to 94000, you can just know that we're going to text you once and we're going to say, hey, thank you for saying yes. And, and we'll just continue a text conversation if you choose to. You can unsubscribe at any time. It's really that easy. Just text that's me to 94,000 or snap the QR code that you said yes to Jesus. If you're here today and you knew Jesus and you've had a relationship with God in the past, but maybe you've walked away and you're like, I am just so fed up with Christians. I'm so weirded out by all this church stuff. But something today makes me want to come home. It makes me want to say I'm back. 
that I want to come back to God. I want to read his Bible. I want to be new again. If that's you, I'm going to pray with you too. So if you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes, we're going to pray again. Father, thank you so much for these wonderful people. God, we just, we say I'm back. We say we're coming back to you, God. We want to connect with you again. We, we might have strayed a little bit, but we're back today. Father, would you help us connect to you afresh and new? Would you help make us new by your word? Father, thank you that you're with us and that you'll never leave us. You won't forget about us. We thank you that you hear us when we pray and that we can reconnect to you any time. Thank you, Lord. If that's you and you said, I'm back, the same thing for you. Text, I'm back, um, no apostrophe. It might auto try to autocorrect you. Don't let it. <laughs> to 94,000, or you can just snap the QR code. It's really that simple, and we would love to connect with you via text. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m., in Seaford, Delaware, at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, B-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.